future is Mecca. I found Coda first. His bleached white cylinder of hair was like a transit pad marker rising out of a wide hallway crowded with multicolored heads. The current fashion was to dye your hair to match your Mecca's paint job, a fashion I would not be following. Coda's Mecca, like every Mecca he had before, was also pure white. He called it minimal Meccaism. Your birthing day, young Praxit, said Coda. Receive any of the good loot? Have you left the ranks of the reckless and meckless? I groaned. He got the wrong idea. No despair. I bet when Christmas eventually comes around, one will be looming over the tree. I looked away. I kind of got a mecca, I said. Pardon? I couldn't quite bring myself to look in his eye. I kind of got a mecca, I said to the floor. The final stream bell sounded, and everyone started moving in the direction of their assigned rooms. I can't hear you. You were caught in a wreck? I looked at him. I kind of got a mecca. Hey, finally, Prax, what kind? The new hardback ranger? His happiness on my behalf was sweet and about to be disappointed. Coda's one of the first kids in our cohort to have a mecca. Every birthday since his parents give him the latest and greatest. Money isn't something they have to worry about, except probably how to spend it. Then Azalea semi-tackled me. It was a gentle tackle for her. I was still standing, but I wasn't going anywhere until I was properly squished. Hey, Azalea, Prax got a mecca, said Coda. Prax it! She squeezed me harder. The pressure in my head and ears skyrocketed. My ribs creaked. Happy birthday, dude! Birthday, birthday, birthday! She shook me in time with her shouts of birthday, while kids pushed past us. You look like a monkey, someone shouted. And you smell like one, too, shouted another voice. Ah, birthday traditions. They warmed the heart. Azalea stepped back and looked me up and down. Her hair was a halo of yellow and blue with lines of black through it. You don't look any taller, or any happier for a guy who finally, after years of frustration, dreaming, and co-piloting, finally got his very own mecha, she said. What'd you get? Hardback ranger? Macrobod? Sturdimek? Her shaking had left my backpack straps down on my elbows. I shifted them back to my shoulders and started up the stairs. It's not a great mecca, I said over my shoulder. They both bounded up after me. What kind is it? said Coda. Come on, you can tell us. We're going to see it at lunch anyway. We don't actually care what kind of mecca you got, said Azalea. A mech's a mech. We had reached the last landing. We were lagging and the stairwell was empty. Coda grabbed my shoulders. What kind is it, he said, looking right in my eyes. I looked down. No kind. It's no kind, no brand, no model. Dad got it through a guy at work. It's short, and it, and. Now this is stupid. I know it's stupid, but I've been dreaming mechas for years, and despite what Azalea had just said, mechs are not just mechs. The difference between a top-of-the-line mecha and the bottom, or even lower, mine, is the difference between a world-class athlete and a smelly basic fat guy covered in warts who hasn't seen his own feet in years, so he's barefoot and his feet are covered in warts. Now, imagine that through no fault of your own. You woke up one day as a fat guy instead of the athlete. You too might catch a bit of 
dust in the old eye sockets, get a bit glassy-eyed. Maybe a hot tear might drop onto the toe of your shoe because your friend is playfully shaking you. I wiped my eyes and took a deep breath. Kurt had taken a step back and was next to Azalea. I gave them a little flat smile and shrugged. You'd think I was confessing to murder. I took a deep breath. It's small, it's fat, it won't walk straight, and it's... It's what? They both yelled. The whole thing is baby poo green. They looked at me. They looked at each other. They bent over laughing. They were laughing so hard. I don't know. I'd witnessed a lot of laughing that morning, but seeing my friends laughing, it flicked a switch somewhere, and I started laughing too. I finally got a mecca, and it was the color of baby poo. It was awful. So awful it had to be hilarious, at least for a moment. Are you for real? said Azalea between gasps. The exact shade of baby poo, I said. They laughed harder. The whole drone release bell rang, and we all staggered up the stairs laughing. I cannot wait to see it at lunch, said Coda. We can help you repaint it sometime if you want, said Azalea, and pulled a handful of my hair so hard my head went back. Because I do not want to see you with that hair color. That's friends for you, sharing your misery, helping you fix it, and making your eyes water with pain. The whole drone started to buzz us. My friends went off to their advanced streams, and I headed for my common stream room. Yeah, I still haven't finished common stream. That's what happens when your dad lets you stay home veering sims instead of going to the learning place. You get really good at piloting veer mechas, but your streams stall while your friends keep moving ahead. I'm actually really close to finishing. It is only common stream after all, not rocket surgery stream. But that was a pretty dull and dark period for Dad and I. He spent it playing as a raccoon building a tiny veer farm while I piloted veer mechas, and neither of us saw much of anyone or did much of anything else. But now we're back on track. He was working, and I was being herded by drones down the hall to my assigned room. Yay. At lunch we met in the eating space, but we walked straight out of there. You can't use the main steps at lunch, so to get to the mecha stand you have to cut through outside one, which is all tables under trees. It sits between wing one and wing two with the eating space behind it and the playing fields and autonomous zones stretching out in front of it. There's an exclusion zone around the whole building to stop any accidental mecha damage. It's sensible, especially in a school, but it makes for a long walk to the mecha stand. Did I say walk? Azalea was bouncing so hard with curiosity that she dragged Kodo and me at a trot. Oh, this is bad, I said. No, this is great, said Azalea. You've got a mecha. It looks like... Not that. This, I said, and pointed at the three mechas coming towards us out of the stand. It was Tien Ainsley and Risto. Them, said Coda. We were on the pedestrian path, so they should have gone around us, but no. Tien had to stomp over right in front of us and squat down in our way, her mecha's forearms resting on its knees. She had her external volume turned right up so everyone around in a mecha or not, could hear her. What's happening, Simlord? You trying to bail, but your friends are stopping you? Bail from what, said Coda, and get off the walk. Bail from tryouts. Says he's going to jet circles around us, said Tien. Ainsley leaned over us. We're going to wipe him out, broadcast Ainsley. 
Totally, broadcast Risto from behind her. It'll be like a comet hitting a cruise liner. Doosh, nothing left. Uncool, said Azalea. Risto's words turned me from annoyed and embarrassed and worried to pure anger. I'll be there, I said, in five. Chen reached over the back of her mecca and unhooked the protector that hung there. She snapped it over a cockpit. The grid of steel bars shielded the Metcross players' canopies from the ball and the other players. Ainsley and Risto did the same. Take your time. You need it, broadcast Tien. She stood up and the three stomped off towards the playing fields. I can't believe Risto, said Azalea. Wait until I catch him out of his cockpit. It was my turn to drag them. Let's get to the Mecca, I said through gritted teeth. Do you want me to go find a protector to borrow? Davor's on my vocation stream table. He might lend us his, said Coda. That plopper, no way, said Azalea. No way. Well, his mecca's right there, said Coda. Behind that little green baby poop one. C-O-O, no, said Azalea. C-O-O, yes, I said. The thing looked even smaller with Davor and his pauper's friend's dark strutters behind it. They were twice its size. Plus they had the fat trunks of sink trees, they called them clouts, rising up behind their cockpits. They had tubing mounted to their backs that they used as scabbards for the things. Poppers are worse than Mecros players. They're called poppers because they get their kicks popping cockpits, which means they like cracking the canopies of other mechas, mainly just other poppers. If they can pull it off, they will actually pull off a cockpit. Fixing a cracked canopy can be expensive. Reseating a cockpit requires a repair crew and is OCO expensive. Not to mention you're locked in there until the crew arrives. And poppers always need to have tough-looking mechas. Davor's was matte black, no detailing. Even his cockpit protector was black, with extra spikes welded onto the crossbars. Not the kind of thing you can wear during a mech cross match. Nobu's dark strutter was matte black too, except he had paid a mecha shop to remove all the panels from the arms. It looked freaky, which is why he did it. The bare tubing of the arms, and especially the fingers, looked like a mechanical skeleton. The fat power delivery cables wrapped around the tubing looked like black veins. You look at that and you're glad your mecha's got panels or a skin. The other mecha belonged to Klaus. It was also black, but it had red paint splattered and splashed across it, especially around the feet and hands. It was supposed to look like blood. Lame. Your mecha is on the small side, said Coda. Perhaps it's fast. It's not fast, I said, and walked over to its leg to knock. How secure was knocking? Anyone can knock. The color isn't awful, said Azalea. I think it's an antique military green? Oh, yes, said Coda. I see what you mean. Yes, military green. I can see it. So it's antique military baby poo green, I said, and knocked on the leg. It came to life, running through the boarding routine, offering me its hand to step onto. That's cool, said Azalea, as I rode up to the cockpit. I've never seen a mecha do that before. It doesn't have any foot or handholds, I said, as the hand stopped beside the opening cockpit. It appears it doesn't need any, said Coda. Why doesn't mine do that, said Azalea? Because yours is just a tweaked yoga mech. The question is, why doesn't mine know Valit, said Coda. I'll have to have a word with my father's mechanic. I grabbed the prosthetics and gave them a shake to help me focus. I could still feel the slop the disconnect between them and my body that caused me so much grief this morning. This tryout was going to be trouble. 
Sister Dre, Father Brackish, said the Mecca. Praxit, you big baby, I said under my breath. You better stand back. Way back, I called down. They moved back a few steps. I hit the canopy button. The snap of closing still made me jump. After the covers retracted, I waved my hands at them to move back even more. They gave me a thumbs up and ran for their own mechas. That was a relief. Mechas have, or supposed to have, all kinds of sensors and pedestrian awareness programs running. You can't even throw yourself under their feet and hope to get squished. But I didn't know if they were working in this baby. I couldn't be sure I could hold the clumsy thing back from squishing someone, and I really didn't want it to be one of my friends. I stepped forward. Well, that's what I was doing with the prosthetics. What the baby did was stumble backwards until it collided with the devil's black mecca. Then it stumbled forward. Bad baby, I said. Calibrated, it replied. I twisted the body to look behind me. That kind of worked. There was a glint of metal across the right wrist and stomach of Davor's mecha. That worried me. First, if Davor found out I scratched his mecha, he would myrtleize me. Second, mechas aren't supposed to collide. Not outside of sports grounds and autonomous zones. They're all active alloy, so it's not like they're going to get damaged. It's just how they're supposed to work. The baby had to be at least a bit broken. That explained how Dad got it for cheap. I started getting angry at Dad for dropping this terrible mecca on me when Risto's words returned to my ears. Thanks, Brain. A truly righteous anger rose within me and I fought the controls with determination. Just let me get to that mechross field. I started working the arms as if I was swinging a mechross stick. Watch it, Prax! came Azalea's voice as she and Coda came up behind me in their mechas. You nearly snagged my ribbons. What has your mecha been drinking, said Coda. Your gait is something and your arms are a danger to everything in reach. Perfect for Metcross. Can't talk, I said, mecking. Go for it, Prax, we're right behind you, said Azalea. At a safe distance, said Coda, and getting safer. I didn't blame them. The prosthetics did feel a smidge, a shaving of a millimeter tighter. The feedback was almost not entirely unlike the mecha's movement. There were no more backward steps as I made my way across the danger zone, but there were stutters and stumbles. The danger zone was a wide orange band around the green perimeter from the playing fields. The playing fields were the only spots where our jets worked. Partially worked. Enough to jump and rush, but not enough for sustained flight. Still, mechas colliding in mid-air can go flying quite far before stability programs kick in. That's why they had the danger zone. Coach Otto was watching the team from the sidelines in a decommissioned bulk handler mecha. It's what the learning guides piloted when they're on monitoring duty. The bulk handlers towered over the student mechas like a child towers over their toys. You start causing trouble in your mecha and you can find yourself being lifted into the air in a giant alloy fist for a sky-high conference on your social responsibilities. They might just hold on to you until the stream bell rings. I've heard at some learning places they have bulk handler bugs, like my dad pilots. Guides can ruin free time for four pilots with those. When I got close enough, I could hear the coach shouting directions at the players jet-hopping around the field, passing the ball to each other. I'm here for tryouts, I said. Who's that? said Coach Otter. He twisted his mecha around and looked down on me. What is that? Praxit, coach. I'm here for open tryouts. In that? You sure? In this. It's called open tryouts, isn't it? Maybe I should change the name. Here. 
the coach held out a Macross stick. It's basically just a lacrosse stick scaled up to fit Meccas, but not bulk Meccas. It looked like a pencil in his hand. This was really happening. I locked my harness straps over my shoulders and around my hips. Take it. Yep, I'm taking it, I said, as I watched the baby's green hand wavering in narrowing circles as I directed it to reach for the stick. Just grab it, I growled in my throat, where the group comms wouldn't pick it up and share it. Come on, are you trying out or not? For a moment, just as I was wrenching hard on the arm prosthetics in an attempt to force even a small move towards the stick, I felt a direct connection with the arm. We were in sync. Except, of course, now the arm was whipping towards the stick. I closed the fist in time to grab it, and it squealed as it was wrenched out of the coach's hand. That's the spirit. Now get out there and show me what you can do. I headed onto the field. The direct connection? Gone. It was a fleeting moment of hope and grace. I made my clumsy way, with no grace and no hope, to where the players had gathered to watch me. The seven of them looked formidable in their cockpit protectors, tossing and spinning their sticks like they weighed nothing, when they were each 150 kilos of honeycombed aluminium plus a net of steel cables. Go, Praxit, called Azalea. Dominate those cretins, called Coda. I mean cretins in a nice way. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. When you sim Macross, it's always a game, not this standing around. Naturally, when I sim, I play as an attacker. Praxit 2230, scourge of goalies. For this tryout, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. If I could just run and pass the ball, get a single shot at goal in this stupid baby, I would probably wake up in bed because it would have to be a dream. Can you smell that? said Kai. I've been smelling it all day, said Ainsley. I would tackle it, but I just power wash this thing, said Burko. The whole team got their digs in, their clever little insults while I finally got a proper grip on the stick. It was a little long for the baby, but I think having something solid to hold onto was making the arm control more stable. I made the mistake of looking around. The dancers, the faux fighters, the skaters had not just stopped to watch us, they were wandering over to the halfway line that marked the separation between Mechross and free play sections for a closer look. Peeps, said Tien, we're going to stomp us some Simlord. Don't worry about a spray wash. We'll be wiping him off our feet. Enough talk, said the coach. He sent the ball jetting over so it hovered between me and the team. Attackers, midfielders up front. Tien, Ainsley, Burko, and Risto moved forward. Defenders, stay open for passes from the green guy. Praxit, I said. Green guy, I want to see your basic jetting and passing. Get the ball past the crease and you get to be a reserve. Hit the back of the net and you're on the team. And the rest of you... If he scores, you know how it goes. One on, one off. We'll start green with the ball. The ball slammed into the pocket of my stick. On my signal, hit it. A high piping sounded, and the mechas pumped their jets and headed at me like arcs of blurred silver. Loving the story? Show your support and access new episodes on Sunday instead of Wednesdays. Supporter episodes will always be ad-free. By supporting Futurist Mecca, you keep new episodes coming. Visit patreon.com slash futurismecca and become a supporter today. patreon.com slash futurismecca